0: It's philosophy talk.
1: The male kangaroo doesn't have a pouch. Only the female has it. So the male has pouch envy.
0: Bertrand Russell thought envy was one of the greatest causes of unhappiness. (laughs) Is it really always a bad thing? Of course it is. Envy makes you bummed out and bitter.
2: I've never seen you jealous before.
0: Well, you're not even a fan. I was at game six. You didn't even watch it.
1: Wait a second. Wait a minute. Are you jealous of him or are you jealous of me? Couldn't envy be used to improve ourselves? Why not just be happy with the way we are? Aren't some people worthy of envy and emulation?
0: I don't understand. Before, you were jealous of me. Now, you're jealous of
2: him?
1: I'm jealous of everybody. Isn't it rational to want to be better than you are? Our guest is Sarah Pertazzi from the University of Puget Sound. Envy, vice, or virtue? I envy your reflexes, Captain. I envy your strength of will. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Is envy always a vice or can it sometimes be a virtue? Can envy ever be good for us? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything, except your intelligence. I'm Ken Taylor. And I'm Josh Landy. We're here at the studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus, where I teach philosophy, and Josh directs the Philosophy and Literature Initiative. Today, we're thinking about envy and asking whether it's a vice or a virtue. Josh, that's easy. It's definitely a vice. There's no question about it. What makes you so sure, Ken? Well, come on. Think about it. Envy's a recipe for a miserable life. What's that old line? Uh, Never compare yourself with others. You may become vain or bitter. But if you don't compare yourself with others, you'll never know who
0: you are. I mean, a a huge part of identity is comparative. Let's say you think of yourself as tall. Well, I mean, all that really means is that you're taller than average. So it's the whole idea of living without comparisons. I might make a good bumper sticker, but it's not the way
1: people actually live. Yeah, okay, maybe we do have to compare ourselves to others, but that doesn't mean you should envy people who are taller than you. In fact, Josh, you know, you shouldn't envy anyone. I mean, what has envy ever done for anyone except, I don't know, make them miserable and resentful and... Especially, not much fun to be around. Well, but what about
0: someone who writes, say, really great books about Proust? I mean, shouldn't I envy that person?
1: Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be a bit arrogant of me if I if I didn't envy people like that? You know, Josh, Josh, look, you're a great Proust scholar. You don't have to envy your fellow scholars. You'll be much happier if you don't. And and besides, not envying them will stop you from going, you know, all Tanya Harding on them, Josh. <laughs> I'm not talking about breaking anybody's kneecaps. That's a relief, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) All I'm saying
0: is there's nothing wrong with a bit of healthy rivalry. I I mean— if I envy my Proust scholar, then I'm going to have a little bit of a bad feeling, you know? And that bad feeling is going to motivate me. It's it's going to make me want to write better stuff just like she does. And
1: if you succeed, you know what she, what's going to happen? She's going to envy you. Then the two of you are going to end up like enemies when you could have easily been friends. Instead, Josh, come on, lose the envy. That It doesn't follow, Ken. I, I mean, imagine if you and I played... Tennis
0: every week. You oh, know, we, you'd win. <laughs> well, well, thank you. <laughs> I, but you know, whether or not I'd win, we'd, we'd probably develop a, a rivalry, but, but it would be a healthy rivalry. And that rivalry would make both of us raise our game. We'd
1: each get better, we'd both get fit, we'd stay friends. What's not to like? Oh Josh, that's, that's an easy case because in your case both people can get what they want. They want to just be better. But suppose you're like competing for a killer job, a job that you die for, and you can't both have it. You can't just have, you know, like in tennis, a friendly rivalry and raise your game and shake hands at the net and all that stuff. It's all going to end in tears for at least one of you if you're in this attitude of envy. So what, you
0: think one of the people is going to try to sabotage the other, like sending anonymous letters to the hiring committee? Well,
1: Josh, they just might do that. They just might be driven to do that. And that's precisely why... Envy is regarded as one of the seven deadly sins. I think it's the worst of the deadly sins. I just think you have a low estimation of humanity, Ken.
0: I, you know, what about all the healthy cases? Not just tennis, but, but art, or, or, or moral goodness, or, or even philosophy. I mean, these are all cases where envy can motivate
1: us to try to be better. Or more likely to motivate you to try and tear the other person down. <laughs> I know you're better than that, Ken. Oh, that's what you think, Josh. Oh, oh man, i got to watch out for you. <laughs> and, and, and anyway, Josh, anyway, envy's bad for the planet. What? Well, you you suppose you envy your neighbor like his hot new car or something. So out of envy, you get a new car, too. But, Josh, you don't need that car. It's just consumerism on overdrive, driven by your envy. So thanks to your envy, there go the ice caps.
0: Jeez, Ken, that escalated quickly. I don't know about that. I, I, all I'm saying is I still think there's a good kind of envy. I mean, especially the kind where you envy each other's qualities. Not not their cars, not their possessions, but their qualities. Take me. I envy you, Ken. I envy oh, your Josh. your
1: brilliance, your wit, your quick thinking on the radio. Oh, Josh, thanks. But I, 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 I know what you're doing. You're just trying to flatter me so that I let you win this argument. That's all you're doing. Is it working? <laughs> no comment. But look, let's see what our roving philosophical reporter, Holly J. McDeed has to say. We sent her to explore the upsides and the downsides of envy, she files this report.
2: In some Christian teachings, envy is considered one of the deadly sins to overcome. If you want a beginner's guide, grab some popcorn, turn off the lights, and put on a History Channel documentary called Seven Deadly Sins.
1: Envy spreads her poison throughout her victim's blood, bones, and brain.
2: As the film explains, envy is different than jealousy envy is wanting something you don't have that someone else does.
1: The gods of Olympus despise envy. And today, envy is the one deadly sin that even sinners don't like to mention.
2: On the other hand, if you're in a competitive, aspirational mood, there are tons of self-help books and guides to using envy as a tool for motivation. If you see something that you want to end with, it is time to activate. You need to initiate and generate so that you can accelerate that which you want to accumulate. Leah Finnegan doesn't buy it. Finnegan is the executive editor of The Outline and writes newsletters.
3: She lives in New York City, a city known for fierce competition. You're constantly comparing yourself to others and others are very uh, loud about their successes. She says, unless you're a competitive marathon runner or a competitive Scrabble
2: player, those are unrealistic expectations.
3: You know, basically when you log on to any social media site, it's like, look at my book deal, look at my movie deal, look at my beautiful husband, look at my little baby. And it's like, okay, what do I have to offer the public for them to, you know, crow over me? Finnegan remembers having dinner at a
2: fairly famous journalist's house when the envy kicked into high gear. The journalist had just landed
3: a huge book deal. Around the time she got the deal, she found out she was pregnant and she was extolling the virtues of having everything, you know, you can do it all and you can do it all at once. She was basically kind of like provoking us to be envious of all her successes. So Finnegan left that dinner,
2: feeling envious of the journalist and bad about herself. Jerry Parrott, a psychology professor at Georgetown University, studies that kind of envy. Benign, mundane envy. The kind that creeps into everyday life.
0: It's so common, I think people don't notice it.
2: Parrott says there's harmless envy that most of us feel and then forget about. Then there's malicious envy that turns dangerous when the envious person imagines an extreme unfairness.
0: They don't want to admit that the other person has successfully outcompeted them or has talent that the envious person lacks or anything like that. So there's this tendency to construe the situation as being unjust.
2: This at its worst can lead to the sort of envy we hear about in the news or on Lifetime TV. Like, say a person envies their rich husband, feels like he doesn't deserve all that wealth because he's a moron, and kills him.
0: You can justify all kinds of nastiness on the grounds that you're aiding the cause of justice.
2: Parrot's advice for the envious among us is similar to the self-help videos on the subject. He says use the envy as a reason to improve. Maybe even befriend the person you're envious of. Or take a step back and remember what you have to offer. Unless there truly is some kind of unfairness, Parrot says that's probably not envy. It's more like righteous indignation, which isn't even a deadly sin. Leah
3: Seven. Seven.
2: Seven. Finnegan, though, finds comfort in another theory. While researching envy, she discovered psychoanalyst Melanie Klein. It's kind of complicated, but basically, Klein says that babies become envious of
3: breasts because they contain so much milk they can't have. I felt like it was kind of an abdication of feeling bad about envy because you don't have control over your envy because it's something that, you know, maybe your mom f***ed up for you. If you look at it like that, envy is something instilled in us before we even have
2: control over it. So maybe we should just feel okay and normal about feeling it. And besides, like some philosophers say, when resentment is justified, then it's just righteous indignation. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Holly J. McDeed.
1: Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music. Thank you for listening. Thank you for thinking. And thank you for supporting Philosophy Talk. On Sunday, February 17th, Philosophy Talk returns to the Marsh Theatre in San Francisco for two new live recordings. Neural engineering Beyond the Five Senses with neuroscientist David Eagleman. Authority and resistance with political scientist James Martel. Tickets for either show are available at philosophytalk.org. That's Sunday, February 17th. Philosophy Talk, live at the Marsh.